You're listening to Channel K9 News. We interrupt the Hammer Barn Project podcast feed to bring you this breaking story. Frank has the details. Thanks for that, Jade. Well, listeners, using all our connections and all our <laughs> all our power, which is very limited, uh, we have managed to pull off an interview with not one of Brendan's relatives, not some, not one of <laughs> not one of our wives. I got plenty of those. You do. They're, coming, <laughs> they're, full, they're like coming out of the woodwork. We've got everywhere. them forever. Coming out my ears. <laughs> We have managed to pull off an interview with the one, the only, Joe Brum, creator, writer, director, the man behind Bluey. You know, we just we other shows I, other shows might interview like there's one of the animators and let's talk to you know, yeah, Joff Bush. Usually you start low and just kinda of work your way up through, you know, the guy who brings yeah. them the lunch. <laughs> the person who, you know, the janitor, you guy know, who opens the door. That. Yeah. We just went straight Look to that. the top. Why, why bother? Go straight to the top. We just pressed the button on the elevator that said, ding, penthouse suite, <laughs> up we go. I don't, I don't believe it. Marty, do you believe it? No, definitely not. I think I'm as excited as I was that day that I found the Monte Carlo that actually had three layers. You should have seen two. that day. That's not a thing. I still no, don't believe it. But he... Yeah. It was a Monte three Carlo, guys. Joe's got some big feel. That is, listeners, that is huge. <laughs> so, without further ado, let's hear from the man himself. Oh boy. Well, I can't believe I'm saying this, but welcome Joe Brum to the Hammerbone Project. Hey! hey. <laughs> nice to be here. Oh, thank you so oh, much, man. man. Uh, thank you is one of those. It's one of those times where thank you uh, does not quite suffice. Oh, no, don't be silly. I've, I've been listening to your podcast. It's great. It's oh. <laughs> there it is. Don't freak out. Don't freak out. No, it's, okay. Yeah, yeah. it's okay. I don't know if that's like self-indulgent or not listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you haven't listened to it as much as me, so, so that's self-indulgent. I love the name of it too. Ah, uh, thank you. We did we did workshop that a little bit. We were looking at bandits, biscuits, and all sorts of weird names, and then we're like, oh, hammer barn something. All, you know, all of us claim to be really blokey blokes on the tools. We're not, which is. Kind of That's why we put the tool sounds in yeah. as much as we can to just give the illusion that we're actually uh, traditional mm. men. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, actually, trying to land on the name of Hammer Barn, the alternate name. Oh yeah. Took took a while. We went through a few different. It was Mega Barn for a while, and then I remember just looking at a Bunnings and going, "It looks like a massive barn, and it's got a hammer on it." <laughs> there you go. It writes itself. Yeah. <laughs> And the rest is history. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, obviously, we're recording this at a time where the season, the first part of season three has been out for a little while now. Mm-hmm. And i got to say, some of the strongest stuff so far, it's got to be, it's so good. Uh, I imagine the rest would be coming. Is there, but for you guys, do you feel the same breaks that we do? Or is it just no Constant change in work. rhythm, just go, go, go? Yeah, we go, we do all 52 in one hit. Mm-hmm. So the only breaks, we feel the breaks uh, between seasons. So, but it does feel, it does feel like that first 26 was, was a long time ago. <laughs> sure. it's, all about, it's all about these current ones now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, to, by the time you've finished an app and watched it through every stage and checked it for music and sound and then animation, da, 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 you've watched an app upwards of 20 to 30 times. Yeah you know, from beginning to end. So you you kind of, the fresh ones that are new that you've only seen five times uh, are a bit more, hold your attention more. So those ones will, yeah, they kind of sit in, 
in the in the past, if you will. Yeah. You're having the parent experience, really, aren't you? You just have to watch them end to end over and over again. So <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> oh man, there's. I will just talk forever, but I'm not the only person on this podcast. Oh, wait, um, <laughs> really? Could have fooled me. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. If you listen back to a lot of the episodes, yeah, I could fool people as well. Uh, but um, there's just. Uh, I'll let the other lads uh, jump in because um, there are just so many Joe Brums that I want to ask about. There's Joe Brum, the animator, and Joe Brum, the boss. And Joe Brum, the 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 dad and the person and the brother. But uh, do you guys have any any questions that fit into those categories? My sort of first question probably comes down to Joe Brum, the dad. And you've said before you've talked about this idea of you know the show, the kernel of the show is you knowing how to make your kids laugh. And I was just wondering if you've ever thought about where that actually comes from. That the both the desire to do it and sort of the the skill or thought process and coming up with a thing. Like I think of uh, Curry Quest and just like, hey, I didn't see, I didn't say you could use both your legs. Just like little <laughs> moments like that, all of a sudden it, it comes around to um, making it into a game, making it into play. Um, had you ever thought about, yeah, where, where that comes from or what, what builds it up, what makes it? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, definitely my dad had that sense of humour. It was all... It was very dry. It wasn't like a, a joker, but it would be all quite um, self, self, not self-deprecating, but just quite that sort of tough humour, I guess, where you, you know, um, I can't think of any examples, but that, <laughs> yeah, it'd be like, um, you know, his favourite sayings were, you know, you got to grin and bear it and the world doesn't revolve around you. But there, there would be a sort of like a, a humour to that. So I think yeah. we with my kids, like I love it. I, I don't know whether it's just me, but I love making them laugh. You know, it's mm. like it feels like such a good thing to do. And they just love being, especially at that age, they just love being bossed around. And, and you know, <laughs> as long as they could always get one up on you, you know, the more you, you make yourself and you kind of exaggerate this idea that you're the authority figure and you just <laughs> allow that to come tumbling down, you yeah. know, and, and, and it's flip, they seem to love it, you know, like, you know, you can you'd be rousing on them, you know, pretending, oh, you got to do this, you know, like you're a drill instructor, as long as they can then freeze you and then stick their, your finger up their nose, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, then you're even more outraged. It, it's more fun if you're playing, if you're exaggerating, I guess, you know, that. that yeah. Part. And I suppose at such an early age, the the really important things to establish, I imagine, once, f first time I'll say this, not the last, <laughs> I'm not a dad, but it, it's like for their own safety and development, like, you know, I'm the boss, um, you got to listen to me because um, I'm trying to keep you safe and, uh, through this time. And I suppose if, if that's one thing that's so established, then that's such a powerful thing to play with and, and joke with, like, yes, I'm the figure and now I'm going to, do this or just be silly or, mm. or so it's, it's probably such a because it's so established in in their life with such limited experience that like playing with that is such a cool tool i guess yes and unexpected for them because most yeah. of the day are just you know telling them what to do keeping them safe but then when they suddenly it flips and it's it's turns into a game it's it's like oh wow we're in charge now you know and it's yeah it's it's i guess like any humor it's it's both hard and fascinating to to break into its sort of components <laughs> um 
And, and it just, it's just a, and that started the show really. I just, it was a vibe that, look, I know that if Bandit does this, like my kids would laugh, you know? Yeah. And, you know, obviously that physical comedy goes down well, but there was only so many examples of seeing it happen that you could use before it was just, well, I got a feeling if we do a big backpack game that that will make kids laugh or if we do this, make them laugh. And, and it was always, yeah, it's always a bit unknown. Um, and sometimes it's really surprising. Um, but, yeah, that, that, was, that was why on the very first screening where we showed some kids, I was quite nervous because we hadn't done it before. And, right. and I was like, wow, actually, I never actually thought how kids, <laughs> how kids would do this show. Luckily, luckily, it all went well. Yeah, absolutely, it did. Um, can I pose a question to Joe Brum, the animator? I'm going to guess, as a kid, you were quite into art and and drawing and and that sort of stuff. Or was that something that came to you later? And what's the first thing you remember? Like my child is just at that point of, of drawing, and it's all just lines and scribble. But uh, I I drew a bit as a kid, and there's a few things that I've kept from when I was like, I reckon about eight years old, that I go, do you know what? I look at it now with an adult brain and I go, oh, I'd improve this, I'd change that. But at the time and still now, I'm proud of that drawing. Is there something that you cherish from those early years? Well, why, why did you stop? Do you remember why you stopped? That's a very good question. Um, I, I think it was I discovered video games, to be completely honest. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, even I recently just turned 40 and uh, this gentleman here, Brendan, and a couple of friends got together and went, oh, we know Frank pretty well. And I got, you know, alcohol and stuff as you do for a birthday like that. But they gave me a, a sketch pad and some nice pencils and and that sort of thing to uh, encourage me to get back into it. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, often often a uh, kid will hit that stage where they want their drawings to really look like the thing they're drawing, which obviously is incredibly difficult. And mm. they often get discouraged and then... They go, oh, I can't draw, and then they, they sort of stop, and so they stop improving. Uh, yeah, I always drew, I mean, I've got a vivid memory of drawing just a pair of shorts when I was really young, but, but it was just it was just wars. It was like uh, <laughs> my dad used to bring all that old computer printer paper back yep. from work and just bung it on the cupboard, so we just had unlimited paper. And we just, uh, that's sort of like those profile, you know, like, like Cortex Command or something, just those lines <laughs> with just armies just blowing the crap out of each other. But like, <laughs> just oh, years and really high detail stuff. Uh, and I just loved it. And I always did. And I never stopped drawing through high school. And so, yeah, it was, it was inevitable I was going to do something. Oh, well, on that animation, in an interview with you that I heard previously, um, you spoke about how there are some things that you think the hand-drawn stuff really helps shine like i don't know was it the water in the beach episode and uh and i maybe this is a maybe this is a naive question but as i'm a little bit of a um amateur audiophile and i do love uh recording music and i also love uh film and i think about the advances we've made in in digital film and digital audio and uh, i love i i once revolted that you couldn't make you couldn't synthesize a proper upright piano sound. You just couldn't do it. And nowadays they're so good and they're so close. I, I was wondering if the digital direction of everything, have you contemplated those two worlds and, and the place that analog systems still have going forward? Yeah. If, well, the, the analog equivalent in animation, in, in 2D animation, 
is is back to your paper and yeah. and then and light boxes and scanning and I, I'm definitely in no hurry to get back there. I, I started my career out on paper and as recently, I mean, the first job I did when I started my company, like only eleven years ago, was was hand drawn. Um, but with sort of Cintiqs and um, and that really becoming affordable, I suppose it just it just made so much sense to move into that. But I do really miss, to be honest, um, uh, I just miss rolling the paper in my hands when you animate. And yeah. as much as possible, the software we use was designed by two D animators. We we try, you know, when we're teaching animators, we do try and just recreate a lot of the i guess the actions that you would do back when we used to draw so you know drawing and hand-drawn animation is constantly having five bits of paper between your fingers and just yeah. being able to get quickly jump from one to the other and just watching it constantly by rolling it mm. so we we sort of flip the keys a lot you know with the arrow yeah. keys even though it's in a computer you're still flipping flipping changing changing technology just made it lightning like it just yeah so much yeah, sometimes I worry that when I um when I just cling on and have that romanticism for old ways, I I worry that I'm just being an old man. But uh, <laughs> but it's also cool to see um that the reason we replicate these things in these ways is because you know there's a place we evolve these things for a reason. I guess I don't know. Maybe I am an old man. So no, no, it's fine. It just yeah. depends on where on what you're doing. I think for for what we're doing, it's impossible. But you look at Don Hertzfeld; he's one of my favorite animators, and you know three most of his short films i think including his half an hour one like were just drawn and shot under a rostrum camera he didn't even scan them into a yeah, tv wow. and yeah. and you, they you couldn't recreate that you know sure. you, you see a lot of people recreate that sketchy style in flash and it just it looks like flash whereas yeah. this looks like some crazy dude yeah it was going back to the 90s you know like <laughs> Yeah, one one day I was going on a rant about it, and my friend said my friend said something quite wise. He said like, "Well, the the tool isn't the thing to get annoyed at; it's what the human, how the human uses it to create the mm -hmm. thing." And uh, and I try to keep that in my mind whenever I'm being a troglodyte. <laughs> very wise friend by the sound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't me, was it? Ah, uh, sorry, Frank. Damn. All right. I, I won't say who it was, so you can pretend it was you. Okay, I'll take it. But look, just quickly, our animators, yeah, our software does help you save time in a lot of ways, but it's a tool. It's just yeah. we need good animators and we pour over the animation and every key and every action. And, you know, in that sense, we're no different from the animators in the old days. It's sure. just you've Absolutely. got a few more time-saving devices oh and the proof is in the pudding joe like yeah, i'd believe it 100%. for sure thanks yeah so i know you do a show about cartoon dogs <laughs> but my question is about cats particularly cats in the bluey verse now if you if, <laughs> here we go <laughs> this is a bit of a thing on our show where i'm fascinated with cat squad now if we're looking at animals as a whole throughout the rest of bluey you see kangaroos you see the you know the lorikeets in the tree you see the bats flying you see animals as they would appear normally in in the human world except for cats and all we get is that you know that hyperactive borderline <laughs> annoying sort of anime styled intro that that muffin loves and she comes crashing in on the bike now I have a theory. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I would love to be proven wrong by you of all people here, Joe. But I think that cats in the bluey world are like dragons are to us. They're mythical creatures. They don't actually exist. They exist in pop culture. 
Uh, in particular, I'm, I'm thinking of nods to like Samurai Pizza Cats, if you remember that from the 90s. Yeah, Maybe yeah. a little bit of Voltron with just, a, with just a drop of the Avengers in there. How, how ridiculously far off base am I with that? Yeah, I quite like that, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're like this, like a unicorn, right? Just one animal that... <laughs> so I was right. <laughs> oh, man, we are never going to hear the end of this. Um, well, you're not right in that I haven't thought about it. Um, I'd like to have a correct answer. Yeah. And look, I always want to do an episode with a cat in it. Um, with a real cat, you know, and but then you know we it would always be we talk about wouldn't it be funny if just a bunch of cats moved in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be funny you know, next door, and it just you know I think it just always it rose up as a funny idea and then never kind of survived. It was. It, What's the episode? Is it shops where they're playing? The kids are playing shops in the in the in the woods. There? Oh, and they yeah. Um, the, one of the they pretend to be and like then one of them pretends the to be a cat. Yep. And so it's like they they they're exposed to the idea that cats are pets, but maybe that's that doesn't disprove your mythical creature theory. I suppose. Mm. No, well, one of my kids, the the teacher that Calypso is based on, who's one of my one of the most excellent teachers I've ever met. She would say, um, <clears throat> she always told me, like, it was very, the kids would play, you know, there'd be just 30 kids all just engaged in about 10 different games. And this would go on, you know, every day, this would go on for 45 minutes. And she said, you can usually tell when it's time to move on to something else because they would, too many of them would turn into cats. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what she said, and that's fine, but if they're cats with no owners, <laughs> nice. That means they're just they've gone wild. And when you Man, perceptive and observant and ecologically responsible. <laughs> That's brilliant. It is. It is. So cats in, in shops. That was sort of part of that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I did write a whole another app, which never, <laughs> never got made. That played on that idea, but yeah. Yet, Joe. Yet. Oh, there's still yet. time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of the things, Joe, that I found really interesting is. Stuff like bats are nocturnal. Oh, good knowledge, kid. It just takes a reality and a responsibility. Well, the idea that you didn't have to get that right. I remember talking around it mm-hmm. in the episode of like, what what's the decision-making process when you basically get the kid to say something wrong? Uh, you don't correct them. And then, you know, is there a degree of sexual responsibility? How do you get around it? Yeah. Well, I mean, first, the word just made me laugh. <laughs> my, my kid said that once. <laughs> And all oh, right, so that was a real occurrence. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Most, most of it is, you know. Um, so, and then in terms of getting it right, that's to the point. Like, you know, thousands of kids will watch this, and and maybe can look. The way I look at it is, you know, you, you, your teachers and your parents will teach you how to count to ten, mm. and they'll correct it, and they'll teach you how to spell and all that. Like I think the cart I like cartoons that were just there to to be entertaining and to tell good stories, and so yeah I don't like there may be a kid who um, goes for a week, like my kid still thinks German she she learns German she still think it ends with the D, so she call, she calls it German. German. Oh man. <laughs> and. Like, just awoken this thing that I used to think that I forgot <laughs> that I used to think that. Absolutely. German. <laughs> and she thinks apostrophes are called copostrophes. 
<laughs> and I, I just let it go with it because it's just yeah. funny. It makes me laugh. She'll, she'll get it. Yeah. <laughs> and I have actually tried to tell her a number of times, <laughs> but that's what's going on. So, yeah, my, I guess my sense of social responsibility uh, <laughs> it ends at a certain point. But... For me, it really just speaks to the authenticity of the show and really just the fact that it's taking into account that, that the world is a lot more textured than you know a lot of these kids shows sort of are that everything's correct everything's in boxes everything's nicely organized um and i feel like that's something that the series has progressively done more and more you saw you've said a couple of different times in interviews it's just like oh it's just you know sort of meant to be funny and if the the parents don't hate it then that's that's cool but i feel like it's more and more it's been turning into uh kids you know it went from sort of kids potentially learning about adult emotions and then from adults learning about adult emotions even going through things like um baby race and even now like one of the ones that got me recently was a fairy tale and just how much of a um you were talking about your dad before and i'm sure there's a bit of that in bob there <laughs> but yeah just just this idea of progressively evolving and taking in the needs and stories of that adult audience as well yeah, I was just wondering about that. Was that a conscious shift or has that just happened with time and telling different stories? Yeah, I think that's that's one of the things that definitely Charlie, I think I'm so, it's so incremental for me, but I think Charlie, <laughs> the, our producer, you know, he sort of said, look, the stories are different now than to what they were in season one. Season one were, <clears throat> you know, probably a lot more preschool and, and kind of really anchored in that little octurnal sort of, child's world i think just naturally is as my kids have aged and and i guess i've wanted to tell slightly more complicated stories over the mm. seasons the show has um you know aged up's not quite the right word because i i, I mm. do pride myself on making sure there's always something for that four-year-old mm. um and four-year-old is the youngest in my head that i write for i know kids younger than our show watch it but i but Bluey wouldn't be blue if I wrote it genuinely for a two-year-old sure. to, to comprehend. So, yeah, it, look, I just I just want to keep telling good stories that that I find unique, and I, I think just by a process of evolution, they end up just going to, into experiences of my life that are that are about that are that have only really come about because of parenting. You know, like Baby Race. It's a very adult story in a lot of ways, and and it's only came about through me being a parent. I wouldn't have known any of that sort of mm. content or whatever. So yeah, it's one of the it's one of the constant battles. I want to tell stories that entertain me and entertain parents, but we can't alienate the kids because ultimately, you know, at the end of that, it's a kids' show. So I've sort of found this way, which I think works, uh, in in more recent apps where. I, you can have a scene with three adults talking and maybe it's maybe it's a 20 second long scene of exposition and there, there was a good example in a cafe i think it was where you know they're all sitting around the table talking about you know advancing the plot or whatever it needs to happen but you've just got bingo trying to pour some orange juice <laughs> you know and it's like and then later on she's pouring cereal and she's doing that thing that kids always do my kids always do. <laughs> and it's like bam there you've got your four-year-old all right yeah 
And, you know, I'd like to hope that the four-year-olds still follow the story, but in every scene, it's like it's, it, there's always something for that kid who just wants to laugh at, you know, bingo, pour it in the sure. orange. Mm. That, that <laughs> yeah. was my way of, like, having my cake and eating it too. And, that's, and that goes to uh, something I was thinking about uh, Joe Brum, the boss or team leader or or, the, or whatever title that you, you prefer, um, to your choice to have, I've heard you speak before about animators and how, and writing that balance between uniformity and creation and, and creative freedom. And that really speaks to, uh, it must be a real advantage to have that to be able to have those lots of moments on screen like you've got your moment for your four four-year-old and it could be in conjunction with your moment for an adult because mm. you've got uh people and it's not just that the burden's not just on you it's it's alive, um yeah. all the writing it's um the animators going hey what if this character was doing this at that time and knowing uh, i imagine it must feel great to be in a team as an animator where it's not just allowed but encouraged to be thinking of those moments yeah uh, well i mean uh, the latest one we're working on now it was one of these scenes was an afterthought and i went, oh god i forgot to do that thing so i just put what's called a blue note where i just write what i want to happen which is like socks <laughs> walks in and does some funny stuff <laughs> for like 30 <laughs> seconds you know and so then, yeah. now it's, it's on the animators sure yeah look we try and um it's always a, a real balance of allowing the animators freedom to, yeah. to, you know, bring their their character acting skills, whilst also following, you know, the um, director's vision of what needs to happen in that scene. It's I would call that it's just that creative tension. You know, sometimes sometimes what the animator does doesn't work, and we've got to come in and ride rough shot over it. I would say most times what they do is something I wouldn't have really thought of to do, but has just made it so much stronger. Yeah. Um, an example, one of Beth's scenes in chess where um, where Chili picks up the little king. I think she's teasing Bandit and she she sort of waves it in his face a bit. <laughs> yep. um, I think in my original animatic, she just sort of held it on the board there, you know, and, and it was one of those moments where you first saw it and you go, ah, hang on, that wasn't quite what I had in mind, but you, you watch it again and again and you think, no, that's it's way funnier, it's way better. Yeah, um, <laughs> It's very hard to do for someone who likes to get in and, and you know, really control everything, but yeah, <laughs> more often than not, it, it just has made the show better. Yeah, well, on that, I have heard you speak before about the way you wanted to, to put this team together because um, I think you said it was a while ago now, but you said you you missed that environment of being around the team w from working on Charlie and Lola, etc. Did you always suspect that having a team that has that kind of comfort and freedom and camaraderie? Did you always suspect that that was what creates the best product, and you were happy that it was confirmed on Charlie and Lola and and other things that you're proud of in the past, or did you learn that and and then just have to recreate it and have to do it again? And how much of that is responsible for the glory that we get to enjoy? Well, it, I mean, if we're just talking precisely about, uh, I guess, this issue of creative tension and creative freedom, uh -huh. if, if it's just that issue, uh, Charlie and Lola was kind of, was over this side of the extreme. The animators basically just it was very loose cutout sort of show the animators had a lot of freedom just to animate a scene 
mm. and do some crazy stuff. And Kitty, our director, would was very like, "Yep, that looks great." It was a it was a cutout show, so it didn't matter too much from scene to scene if styles changed a little bit, right? Uh, and then I, I did just some sick cover at um, Ashley Baker, who who made make Peppa Pig and um, Ben and Holly's Little Kingdom is what I worked on, and that was kind of over this side, right? Like that's a their shows are just super um, uh, disciplined, I would say, in right. their animation, in the way that they move, you know, the, the the geometry which they move, and it's beautiful. And but you know, I just went in with my child. Hey, let's do all this, this, and this. And then I kind of found out later, it's like, oh, yeah, most of that just got redone. And I remember thinking, <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah, you know, and, and rightly so. It just wasn't in the style of the show, you know. Sure, and sure. I, um, it was quite embarrassing, but I, I remember taking those two experiences and going, all right, you know, I, I would like to be, I'd like Bluey or whatever I do to be somewhere in the middle. Um, now, sure. Depending on who you talk to on, on which day, they would yeah. say it's more over here, more over there. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ask about that because it's, um, I think one of my favourite things ever is Bandit as an octopus. Um, <laughs> like you could you could make a show, Joe, that is Bandit as an octopus having adventures <laughs> and I would watch it. Um, please make that show. Um, but one of the, you know, it, maybe it's when you're on that end of the spectrum, it's when the characters move or become animals. You know, the other great one is uh, asparagus, asparagus when yeah. they get to become all the different animals. What's that like? Is that, um, do the animators hate that? Because I imagine there's quite a lot of rejigging you have to do to the characters to make that work or do they love it? Um, what's the experience of just like messing with the characters that much? Yeah, it's uh, well, it's a three-step process. It hits three teams equally, uh, not quite equally hard. So <laughs> anytime that, yeah, a character's got to do something radically different with their rig, like impersonate mm. an animal, it starts with art direction who have to, you know, on top of just doing the sets and props, they've suddenly got to go back to our character and do a bunch of different mouth shapes and you know, maybe eye shapes and head shapes. And then our designers who sort of, uh, they like our builders, they rig all the, mm -hmm. all the artwork, so it's really mm -hmm. fair, Um, They then have to, you know, really refine that and take that one mouth shape and make make it be able to do lip sync and hand shapes and all that so and then the animators get to be honest the animators get the fun part because they <laughs> it's all done for them and they get to just really have fun you know doing something different so yeah it, it hits it hits our art directors and our designers <laughs> quite hard um well we appreciate it guys thank you so much it's so thanks much for fun. taking it for the, for the time. and it's and it's very hard to make on all fours, they've got these big rectangular bodies. Yeah, right. Yeah, crawl. It's it's quite difficult getting the head and neck to work. I love the the shot wherein I think it's uh, baby racing. You see them rolling from the side, and you get to find out that they're you know sort of rectangular um, tubes as opposed to <laughs> yeah. I don't, what do you imagine them as? Yeah, but, and the you know, bird's eye view shot in the yeah. <laughs> they're playing squash. Yeah. I've got um. Well, when we had to make the figurines, uh -huh. ah, yeah. Hey. All that became not so theoretical, right? So, yeah, this is where we ended up. Uh huh. Yep. So, that's the, the ones you've got. Yeah, right. You know, fairly round, but oh, fairly round. Yeah, okay. This, this little fridgy type dude was the first prototype. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's so, a little bit more Duplo like in it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, well, you know, whenever you take 2D <laughs> into 3D, uh, so it's a bit of fun, yeah. On on the baby race subject, um, Joe, my situation is a little bit different from these guys. You might have picked up from listening to the podcast. Um, their dads 
I actually uh, live, I'm a living uncle uh, with my sister and her husband, and they've got a two and a half year old. And my sister is actually expecting twins very soon. Oh, wow. And um, she, I mean, she, her name's Erin, and there's no one I love more in the world and no one I'm more proud of. And uh, she, it would be remiss of me not to met, not to pass on to you that she she absorbs information at, like nothing and she read all the books and she uh, looked at all the support online and she said baby race the episode she found nothing else that more perfectly captured what it felt uh, like yeah, early on mm-hmm. she said like like yeah, it's it's different from mum uh, dad was there to support but there are some things that only mums can do and there are some things that they go through and um and she just like on 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 her behalf thank you for that because she, <laughs> she the, scarcely a day goes by where she doesn't go oh yeah that episode and in particular oh <laughs> uh, well, yeah well thanks for passing that on you're welcome Aaron. it was i uh, look that that app's just careful observation of my wife's experience <laughs> something yeah. about stretch marks yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i think i have a similar feeling like because um you know I, I hint at through the the shows that you know i'm an academic previously or just you know that's my headspace watching you guys um <laughs> watching fairy tale I think. Oh my God! <laughs> having a um, a telling of changes in generational parenting. Oh um, man! Just like so fast, so astute. <laughs> yeah. So I think there is something about telling it as a story that just makes it so much more resonant. So, well, I don't know if I can make that into a question. <laughs> what, 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 what do you think, Joe? Were the main main catalysts for that exponential change in parenting styles? Is the internet? Did the internet do it? Oh wow! Yeah, I'm not a great person to ask. But I, I think, um, well, yeah, like you know, it's not like we got flogged as a kid. There's sort of like two categories. There was kids yeah, who, sure. who got flogged, you know, yeah. and it was like, oh, yeah, to look away. Yeah. And then there was like we would get hit, but yeah, I got spanked. If we could outrun it, it was yeah. sort of <laughs> it was like Grand Theft Auto. You, you're five stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> we'd go down. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was yeah, it was it was sort of like a bit light, you know. Um, yeah. But it just yeah, it was. It, it's not something. It, it didn't even enter our heads to like do it. I guess well, you know, my wife and I when we when we had the kids, and that wasn't. I don't, that wasn't like in a book or anything. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not a great person to ask. It, it's a good question. Because- yeah, I, I should clarify now that I've thrown my dad under the bus. Like, <laughs> I, 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 maybe I did get spanked once or twice, but, but I was doing it. stupid things that yeah. endangered my well-being. And I've spoken <laughs> to dad recently and he said nowadays he just like would not nah, do it. Like right. the, the, his attitude has changed with the world's attitude. But on fairy tale, oh, my God. Coming from the the brother angle, I've got I've I'm one of seven kids. I've got an older brother and a younger brother. So I like to think I'm like the bandit of the situation. Oh, I see. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's that's an interesting uh, thing that I noticed because maybe I'm silly, or maybe or maybe this maybe I'm not the only one, or I was silly to presume that in Double Babysitter when we're sort of introduced to Rads, 
Um, I assumed maybe this is me being really prejudiced. I assumed that because he wasn't married, why wasn't he married? Um, uh, he like he were was a younger brother. Like that's what I that's mm-hmm. that's where my yeah, head went. Question. But did fairy tale? I mean, you guys might even have a different take on that because we haven't spoken about fairy tale in the podcast. But it seemed to establish, you know, the age of Radley Bandit uh, Stripe. Is that sort of where you guys were thinking, or yeah, was that ever was, concrete? Uh, I'm not sure where it got made concrete uh, before fairy tale. I think I think you're right, and it's it's probably a, 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 it's probably an assumption just because I guess statistically you get you know your your eldest is first to get married, and you know, you know what I mean. You're eventually, your younger brother's still not married. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a rambly way to say I think you get, you know, you there's an order to when you get married just based on your age. But yeah. I think, look, at the end of the day, it was just based on my brothers and sure. uh, Stripes, the younger brother, I'm the middle. And so Rad is kind of, um, you know, it's, it's loosely based on just having an older brother. I wanted to yeah, write yeah. about having an older brother. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, what? There, but there's also something cool about, like, I think it would, it would sting Bandit even more, knowing that his older brother was still single and a bachelor. You know, it's like uh, I have thought. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something that he can't really talk about with. Maybe, maybe, maybe you wouldn't broach that subject with Chili, or maybe you would. I don't yeah. know. Maybe, their relationship's pretty yeah. open like that. They can talk about. <laughs> but that's pretty funny. Yeah, but Fairy Tale was just. I wanted to. I mean, I wanted to just do something in the eighties when Bandit was a kid. <laughs> yes. It was the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, or just the visual stuff of it was what got oh. me excited. Was it sort of uh, double dragon? What they were was it kind of like a double dragon thing on the arcade machine? That, that's sort of like what it felt okay. like. Listen, we, the the ongoing process of making sure that game is different enough to dr- double dragon. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I need, Joe. That's all I need. I might even cut that out. <laughs> a, a long and involved process, but I I feel that we've got there. We have a, a game that was big in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. So the uh, the firm responsible for Double Dragon, it was just a guess. It was just a guess. I haven't even like. Yeah, yep. I've got a, the fish and chip shop gets me. Um, the, the crossbar um, window thing, the the signage. It's just like you know, where did you get the uh, the example photos to to do that? Well, I think, and this sort of brings me back to like the Australian elements of the show, that particular Australian flavour. Um, you said before, you know, you didn't want to do the cheesiness of or having koalas and um, you know kangaroos everywhere, and that's it. But I feel like you've uh, you've guys have figured out a, a perfect um, balance of what Australia means to us. And I feel like it, it ends up being toilet blocks and fish and chip shops <laughs> and secondhand <laughs> takeaway places. Oh, man, a fairy tale yeah. again, just in the background, that toilet block, those yeah, sort of the, 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 the brick pattern, the yeah, the yeah, the, the, the yeah, yeah. pattern there. Yeah, oh, I'm there. I'm there. Sorry, Marty, go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just, you know, we've talked before about the the carpet and just the, the way that we can we can feel the texture of that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. How much drink it soaked up over time, all those sorts of things that just, just make it really situated. Yeah. What what sort of conversations happens around those props and things when you as a director? Yeah, well, a hell of a lot. Like we, you know, that's one of the things. And I, I don't know why we do it. Um it, other than just if you know, if you're gonna do it, you might as well do it well. In that 
like the fairytale one, that was that was really interesting. Usually the art directors, right? They, you know, they're the ones who do all that, right? I, I Richie and I feed in different ideas. I'd be good if you know that was like that. I remember having that there. The art directors do it all and they add all their beautiful details. The the fairytale one was the exception, right? Because it was set in the 80s. Now, you know, that was a real generational split in our studio because mm. <laughs> there was only well, we got 50 people in our studio but it was only me and rich who who were like knew the 80s yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and charlie you know but there was like four it was four or five of us and we suddenly were like man like we're it, it was 40 years ago yeah oh, and man. so we were having you know but the, our animators would bring all their parents' old photos in, you know, and we would, yes. used to look at them. Oh man, <laughs> like this, like this. See, it was, yeah, it was, it was this this land. Do it like that, but with more hair. Like, <laughs> yeah, I just and we had to, we had to explain things. So I don't know. There'll be cigarettes back there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Man, um, oh, just the the major look, you dirty chook, and the <laughs> suffer. suffer. I just oh, couldn't man. believe it. These are things I hadn't. I I just never thought I'd hear again. <laughs> it's like opening a time capsule. Yeah, yeah. and just all the bro- all the brotherhood stuff, Joe. I have to say, like even not just in fairy tales, they were kids. Like all that suffer and like Jinx and all yeah. chasing them and the bikes and the big. Where are your helmets? It was the eighties. <laughs> um, and but but also like now that they're all grown up, even in like Pizza Girls. When 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 Stripe won't <laughs> shut up about his new car and <laughs> Bandit kind of takes him down a peg for it. It's like enough about your car, mate. But it's like in good humor. Just all the all that brotherly stuff is just so is so on point. Yeah, you know what? In Pizza Girls, like my older brother, um, if you're not talking about archaeology of World War Two, it's yeah. hard to get his interest. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> and at a barbie, he's just got this pose where he'll just sort of sit there. <laughs> Stands in his pocket, just blanked out of the conversation. And that scene, I, I think they're talking about Stripe's car. I just said, look, I want Bandit sitting in the back. Uh, nice. Like this. Nice. Yeah. Amazing. I was, I was going to ask if, because you do borrow so much from your life, is there any times you've just had to be nah sorry we can't we can't go along to this party i made that episode last week and i might have seen it so i'm just gonna have to <laughs> so it's a little bit too close to the bone <laughs> uh not, not that i can think of but look is a nice show at the end of the day i do like to hope that you know there's no baddies in bluey like mm-hmm. It was quite fun actually having some fun with Wendy um, this season. Yeah. You know, oh, man, it's great. And same with Judo, like you'll probably see Judo a bit more in the next, um, the second half of season three. But oh, cool. um, yeah, it's look at the end of the day, my little brother Dan, who does Stripes voice, I think sometimes maybe he thinks Stripes based on him, but I'm always quick to say, no, I mean, Stripes based on me. Like, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> and it's like Ferris Bueller, but Stripes, like, well, actually, and. <laughs> And Wendy's a good egg. Wendy's a good egg. She did make her five lasagnas, you know. Yeah, <laughs> she goes all right. Um, one episode I'd love to just sort of quickly touch on that stands out from the season three we've got so far is Rain. Now, um, that gets a lot of praise because um, it is so very different. You see, uh, I've seen other shows do a similar styled episode where it's for whatever reason there's no dialogue or it's just music. Um, was that always your intention writing that? particular episode and how i mean you've got this amazing voice cast that we know so well how did it feel like just turning to all of them and just go no nah, we don't need you guys for this episode mm-hmm. you just you know 
this is the plan uh, or did it something did it evolve into you know the silent episode per se yeah that's a good question i think uh i, I mean I, I grew up making short films and a lot of short films you know bluey was was pretty much the first stuff where uh, any anything in what i animated had a character saying anything right so mm. you know i always loved so you know there's a old short film called balance by um uh, a couple of German guys, I can't remember their name, but won an Oscar. You know, it's it's one of the most, it's one of the best short films you can see, right? And there's no dialogue. So I kind of grew up in that world. So it's it's not alien to me to want to tell a story with no dialogue and just really rely on, you know, the strength of my team to, to act it out. Um, but the trick is how do you do it, which doesn't feel contrived or weird. And I just thought, you know, that sound, especially in Queensland, when it really is just chucking it down, mm. it, it has a, a, I guess, a deafening effect, right, on the, the roof and all that where it's just dialogue's not really possible. So that, that's sort of, I think, I hope what one of the reasons rain works silently, um, you know, you're just you're trying to imagine that the, the rain's just so loud, you're not going to be able to have a conversation yeah forgive uh, me for not knowing this but is is the Gila household roof uh tiled or is it a, a corrugated iron or roof, surely. is the typical uh, corrugated. Yeah, yeah the typical queenslander is a corrugated iron is it yeah definitely yeah, yeah. there's nothing beats that sound mate nothing beats <laughs> that sound no no totally yeah and uh rain i think it was um yeah i just i think i was listening to a particular song and i just like the idea of you know, just that the rhetorical, you know, it's like it's sort of sometimes what having kids is like. It's just like, why would you even try and stop this kid? Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, they're like a little force of nature. It's, it's just as difficult <laughs> as trying to do those dams we grew up. Yeah. You know, um, and that app was originally set out in the gutter. I think that's where that started. That app started from, I always, I, for, as a note from season one, I was just like, I want to do an app where they're playing in the gutter after the rain. Yeah, sure. Nice. It's, it's just, you know, you grow up doing it. Yeah. So that, that's where that came about. And it was originally set in the gutter, but we realised that, look, that's not, that's not safe, you know, so we yep. um, shifted it to the, the thing. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. Often these apps just come from just one little sentence that would be cool. Oh man! Well, I think I think you're a force of nature, Joe Brum. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. I'll, I'll get that as a little wav. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll send it to you, Joe Brum, force <laughs> of nature. Well, well, we, I'll we... be my ringtone from now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've we've kept you for nearly an hour, mate. Um, Marty, is there something you're desperate to oh, ask? Oh, there is. I, I there mean, is. you've been so generous with us already. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I'm easy. Yeah, uh, look, it's it's after work, man. As long as you <laughs> don't That's give us that option <laughs> oh so no sleeping tonight for you joe um, so uh, one thing i do have to confirm so one of the things i have speculated about a few times is somebody with a game design experience background thinking and i was wondering i'm increasingly learning about your your style i think that might be coming from you so in episodes like shadowlands which kind of feel like a platforming game or octopus itself um which i think you wrote with um mark uh, or the claw just these ideas of you know how gameplay and stuff like that works I understand you've done so, you know, you went through and did some research. Do you think it comes from that or have you looked into game design? Yeah, yeah, look, I've, um, I mean, I grew up playing 
you know, Commodore 64 onwards. So platformer games were, were a big thing for me. And I've worked with Halfbrick, who, who are based oh, up. Oh, yeah, right. And worked on a, we, we share a little project together um, and made that into a game. So I had that sort of experience of being right. not a game designer on that, but, you know. Um, In the space. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And that was, it was, it's always fascinating seeing how they work. And I still sort of play touch with them every week and just always sort of seeing what they're up to. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot of apps. The Beach was was very much like just set like a little platform yeah, game. Nice, oh, wow. of course. Shadowlands. Yeah, Shadowlands, it wasn't consciously like a video game sort of thing, but I just, I just wanted to make sure that the mechanics of all the little shadow games were interesting and, mm. and fun mm. things and... And or nuggets, I think, as they would call them in the in game design world. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can't think of any other apps, but I just that platforming, platformer game uh, aesthetic, I've always loved. I don't know why. It's just I just love. It's it's so crisp and clear, and you get to have that lovely depth of field. So whenever possible, our shots. I always try and push that camera low as low as I <laughs> yeah, can to get uh, that parallax. And... Yeah, and it works with cutout <laughs> software, so it's sort of yeah, it's it's just feels good. Awesome, nice. amazing. Thank you. Would, would you be up for like a lightning round, Joe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring it on. Here we go. All right, okay. Well, I might even put some uh, tense sort of music in there. You won't be able to hear it now, live, obviously. <laughs> but if you could just give your answers in a fashion that makes it feel like a lot of a lot is at stake. <laughs> All right. Do my best. Okay. All right. How are we going to rotate this? Brenny, you want to go first? Hmm. Sure. Sure. All right. Favorite character to write jokes for? Uh probably Bandit. Favorite character is Rusty, but Bandit's the funniest to write for because he's just sort of like me. Correct. <laughs> correct. <laughs> Ding. I'm going to say correct after every single one, by the way. <laughs> like the like in the movies app where he's just like, oh no, there's songs like they're just they're, they're just to make me laugh. Doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, favorite character to write touching moments for? Yeah, Chili. Uh, like Chili's who, I don't know why, but if I, you know, Chili's who I guess has the most internal life in the app, especially in season three. Um, yeah. Yeah, sure. she's she's the heart of the show, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Favourite character for physical comedy? Uh, bingo. <laughs> yeah, she's she's a bit unco. Yeah. I, I know I said correct and correct, but that is correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, most unexpected line reading that ended up in the episode. Oh, that's a great question. Um, it's a subtle one, actually. Um, in Keepy Uppy, when right at the beginning, when Bluey. Mum says, oh, we, "Have we got a game for you?" Oh, and Bluey says, um, "Does it keep you up?" And Mel just delivered this this very just matter of fact, like, "Yeah, it's keep you up." Like, yeah. oh, oh, oh my god, that is the best answer because every time I try to replicate that, and when we joke about it with my sister at home, I can never get it right. Like, it's <laughs> it's the Mel. same. It's the same. It's a perfect balance of like matter of fact and sharp, but defeated. But um, it's it, oh man, that's brilliant. Uh, but like Mel's fantastic. She's yeah. she's a 
you know, like with, with Dave, oh, sorry, I'm probably ruining your lightning. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. It's still very tense. It's still very tense. <laughs> yeah. Dave's like so much fun in the booth because he, he's just so explosive and, and in the moment. But he, he, the way we do it is he just copies me, you know, and, and, and he does sort of his own versions. Whereas Mel, because she's an actor, you just, I just read the line before it, you know, and if I want to, if I want to mold it a bit, I just ask, oh, can I have some more like anger in that or this and that? And she, she'll give me stuff which I wouldn't have even thought of. And so, yeah, that, that example, it was Mike, the editor, who, who cho- I wouldn't have chosen that take, but he put it in there. And, and I, I don't know why it makes me laugh, but I think oh, it's like the, the defeated nature. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can't even surprise you. <laughs> it's not like a, it's not like a bitter or, or disappointed kind of defeated. It's just like acceptance. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. This is what it is. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was a good one. Um, is there a moment or a favourite moment that, you unfortunately, due to the nature of Bluey being seven minutes, that had to hit the cutting room floor that you really wish was still in the show. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, it's actually for the, it, it hasn't come out yet this hour. Uh, <laughs> it's just a lot of, it's, it's unicorse <laughs> based. <laughs> <laughs> I got this whole sequence where, um, uh, I won't ruin the app, but. <laughs> Bandit's trying to Bandit's proving that he can read his mind, Unicorse's mind. And, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so he says, you know, think of something. And I'll tell you what it is. And so Unicorse goes on, it's like it's almost a page long. It's all spiel like and then Bandit he goes, All right, I got it. And Bandit goes, Okay, is it this? And he it's basically like he decides to build a taco car that, that like you know, and then he's, he thinks it all through it. Oh, it runs on sour cream, so we're going to have to, like, cut the Bruce Highway and put a bunch of sour cream. <laughs> so I don't know. It made me laugh, and it, but it just went for, like, 30 seconds. So that- oh, me, oh, my. Tacos for dinner, anyone? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Oh, I've forgotten whose turn it is. Is it Marty? <laughs> is it is it mine? Oh, I think Brenny should, should take uh, this should one. Should I take this one? Yeah, you should. Oh, take thanks. This Sorry, one. Marty. Um, favorite Indiana Jones homage. Oh wow. <laughs> uh, look, it, it probably is the the Raiders game because yeah, I mean, I, I I played that game with my kids. That's where it came from, and <laughs> and just because I guess it's it's one of the most seminal scenes of of you know arguably the the best of the trilogy. Um, mm-hmm. oh, that was going to be my next question. <laughs> <laughs> and it just, when you play it with the kids, especially when they're young, it, it just, it, it's just, they go hysterical. Yeah. So it's kind of, for both of those reasons, I would say it's that. For what it's worth, that was the first reference in the show that I saw. Um, and my ears pricked up and I just went, like this show needed anything else to get me <laughs> all the way on board. Yeah. Well, you know what, like it's this weird thing with Bandit being an archaeologist. And my older brother is, is quite a successful archaeologist, actually, and, and he really gets out into the field. He, he'll be in the jungles of Borneo and, and Flores and he's got a lot of stories. And um, so I kind of, and he's, but he will, I don't know much these days, but once a month he will rewatch Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and on a on a dig recently, he was working with a Japanese um, archaeologist in the field, 
you know, who when they finished, you know, he had a lot of respect for Adam's work. And he presented him with a replica of the actual World War II, like satchel that oh, Indiana Jones has. Wow. Got the identical one. And oh, my Lord. He wears it with pride. <laughs> oh, <laughs> how good. That's so for me, I love Bandit being an archaeologist. There's this, uh, you know, and I do my best to put all a lot of our versions of Adam's original artwork on the uh, wall. And yes. He's he's had a few nature paper covers, so we try to every now and then we have Bandit, you know, having one of them in. And there is a YouTube clip which which we've animated and it hasn't been released, but of Bandit giving a, a, a little lecture about a, a canine fossil that he's found. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, we'll see the light of day one day. Oh, oh, awesome. I hope so. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to go a dream special guest voice. Could be someone alive or, or dead. Oh, wow. You know what? We've, we've had a lot of my dream voices <laughs> so far, to be honest. Um, we'll go a dead one. I'd go. Uh, Napoleon. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Oh, It'd be interesting just... to work with in the booth. <laughs> uh, you can cut that answer out. Yeah, I don't you know. You have to point the mic stand down for him. I think. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I would love to do a serious answer is um, we're, we're going to do some more YouTube clips, you know, after season three. And I want to do a little series in the dream house with Jerry Lee, the butler. Oh yes, and just you know, just little throwaway things of him sort of onboarding some new butlers and stuff. And I'd, I'd love to get um, David Mitchell to do the voice. Oh, the British comedian! Amazing, yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be perfect. I don't know whether that'd be possible, but um, well, we assume he's listening. So yeah, um, yeah. David, yeah. I'll, just, I'll tell him now, David. <laughs> David. That'd be convenient. <laughs> you just won't uh, go home. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, quick one. Favorite dog world prop in the show? Um, dog world meaning it's related to dogs. Or yeah. Just... So like I'm thinking like tennis balls or stuff that you would normally associate with dogs. Uh, just anything in the world of Bluey yeah. prop that you've really enjoyed. Uh, I really. I mean, we just went to the, the healer house. I really want the letterbox. Um, <laughs> quite liked how they made the letterbox. But if but what I loved most about the healer house and the prop that I would really love was I do really like the little, I like all the gnomes. I love Jeremy, but I like <laughs> the little garden Buddha gnome. Yes. Dog <sighs> one. Um, they made it at the, at the Bluey house we had up here. They made a, a little recreation of that and it just, it just looks really beautiful, um, you know. Yeah, that, that, that's there's something about that that I love. It's our little dog <laughs> Buddha version. <laughs> Excellent. I think we've changed the order. So, um, uh, oh, ah, favorite running gag. Uh, I love Winton's dad. Our, <laughs> um, our layout. I think our layout artist started it in season two when Winton's dad. We established that he was. You know, in the, it was separated from yeah. mum. And so she would, you know, layout artists, what they do is they take all the actors and background and backgrounds and they put them on the stage ready for the animators. 
So they have it when there's crowd scenes, they have a lot of control over which side characters they bring in to make sure. up crowds. So she would she would always try and put Winton's dad either out on a date or <laughs> I think once she just had him like under the tree in the background, just looking sad. <laughs> Eating, I think he's eating a sausage at one point. <laughs> no, over, the, over the course of the series, he's, he's sort of been out on variously unsuccessful dates. <laughs> Sitting at a table on his own, like being stood up. Like. Yeah. Yeah. But it didn't always make it past layout. But really. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Favourite peaceful moment? Oh, um, really like uh, this... It, it, I really like the end of the creek. Once they come out of the creek, mm. yeah. You know, I guess from it's probably when when Louis has the little run in with the little wallaby sort of thing. Yeah. Oh yes, yes. Um, that was Charlie, our producer's idea, and it was such a good idea. And it just I, I never forget sitting in the room, the music with Joff, and and we were trying to just get that scene to have a little more. Uh, draw you into it, into the present a bit more. And Joff just started playing just with that little held note on the accordion. And we just sort of built that in there. And Lisa just animated it beautifully. And our art directors just, you know, just, and the VFX just really did a good job on that creek. And from that point on to the end of that film, feels like it's just the whole pace just goes down. Mm. And you just feel like, oh, yeah, that's what it felt like after you would emerge from the creek, you know, when you're a kid after five hours of playing in it and have to head home and the light was fading. You know, I've got a real memory of that sort of energy, I guess. And, and to me, you know, our team really captured that in that whole end sequence yeah. of this. Yeah, 100%. for sure. And I think this is the um, I think this is the final, the, the last, last one. one. And, be, and because last we one. like to keep it classy here on the <laughs> Hammer Barn Project, um, we might have to edit this out for our US <laughs> listeners. Uh, favorite poop joke? Ah, <laughs> uh, it's. But <laughs> <laughs> I'll just let you know, everyone is fought hard for. <laughs> oh, oh, we believe it. We believe it. Um. It, it, my favourite was the fairies one in the cupboard when Dad <laughs> farts and blames it on the fairies. <laughs> I, the, my thing with fart jokes is, right, or poop jokes, I'll never stick one in just to be gratuitous. I'll only put it in if it brings something new to the genre. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, look, you've got fairies running around the house. Yeah. You know, the fairies. That just made me laugh. Probably the most memorable one, my God, was um, uh, in Easter <laughs> where Dad is on the toilet yep. and and before they come in, it's just one scene where I was like, look, we need Dad to really, you know, <laughs> it's so bad he's just got to open the window. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a real fight to keep it in and it, it was originally a bit longer. He was... He was really, he gave himself a real dressing down for me. <laughs> and I like it, made the, it made the cut that he just goes, oh, oh bandit. bandit. Like, he does tell himself <laughs> off a little bit. It was, it was such long debates, right? Can you just open the window? And I was like, no, no, like, he's got to be so disappointed in himself 
that he starts talking to himself. <laughs> do, 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 you ever, do you ever catch yourself out in those moments when there's a full-on discussion going on about something that, that, like that? Do you ever go... Do you ever get to appreciate in the moment the uh, the glorious ridiculousness of Talking the about debate about this this gag? Yeah, I wouldn't say right in the moment. It's usually on the way home. I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes there's eight people and broadcasters around a table vehemently <laughs> arguing about like, should oh, some a cartoon dog open a window. I have oh, to it's say, a fly on the wall. <laughs> I have to say, I'm not. I'm not a typical. I'm not a person who particularly likes scatological type humor. But you got me so hard. <laughs> yeah, it started off as a wee, but hey, it turned, you it win in, turned into a poo. Yeah, well, that, that was just brilliant. <laughs> yeah. um, so you, know, you turned me at that point. I don't know. Well, look, that's my promise. I, I'll never do it just. To be Thank close you. for its own sake. I appreciate. It. Oh man, <laughs> haven't seen it. Haven't seen it yet. Yeah. So, <laughs> really? uh, uh, Joe, thank you so much, mate. Oh no worries. Yeah, look, you guys, I, I really like your podcast. It's uh, like it, to me, it's it's like the um the got to be done podcast. Mm-hmm. I can just tell that you guys are really good mates, and you really make each other laugh. And there's something really warm, even if you were talking about not my show. Mm-hmm. I feel like it, it's it's always uh, good. You know, you just tell you guys. I don't know. You obviously known each other a long time, and you just yeah. yeah it's it's a it's a nice thing to listen to when you got three mates, you know, in a room together. So yeah, it's a great podcast. Oh, thanks. Well, man. I really uh, well, it. I'm just going to phone it in now. That's all I needed. That's it. That's done. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't hurt that you're, you know, praising the thing that I've made. <laughs> uh, thank you so yes. much for what you've given the world. Like I. I, if I let myself say more than that, I'll just talk forever and ever. And these guys all attest to that. But just please stop. There was a world before. Yeah, I will. There, there was a world before Bluey. And I'm so glad that I get to live in the world with Bluey in it. It's just, they're just, yeah. Well, look, you know, you hear these two words all the time in response to something like that. But I mean them literally when I say it is my pleasure. Can you believe that? Woo-hoo. What a guy, Marty! Did you did you enjoy yourself as much as it looked like you were enjoying yourself? A large amount more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I haven't I, seen you like that since the Monte Carlo incident. Ooh, <laughs> what a day that was! <laughs> yeah, that was. It, it was like two Monte Carlos, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe a Monte Carlo that had four layers. Well, I don't <laughs> know. Four, <laughs> that was a four-layered Monte Carlo kind of an interview. Yeah, that's the sort of day I'm having. And uh, Frank, there was a bit oh. before we hit, well, or before. <laughs> we began yes where because uh, we are recording as we always do in oh me and frank uh, marty's in sydney obviously frank and i usually record in his toy room mm-hmm. where you cannot point the camera in a direction that doesn't get nine hundred thousand transformers and ninja turtles correct and uh none other than joe brum spotted them as uh, should we play a little clip of of, of the yeah. little exchange you guys? Uh, if you want to know uh joe brum's favorite transformer keep listening <laughs> hey here we go Frank is sitting next to me. How you going? Hey, Frank. Yeah, good. Oh, look at the Ninja Turtles. Uh, <laughs> yes, this is my uh, my little uh, humble abode. When I'm not talking about Bluey, I'm talking about all this stuff behind me on my yeah. other shows. So, it uh, yeah, Supergirl there. I've got a Supergirl and sort of Marvel Legends over that way. Transformers and He-Man in that direction. Um, but, yeah, so it uh, keeps me busy and keeps me poor. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Wow, you got a 
to his credit, when he got married, we were all like, oh, here we go. This is it. But uh, he did marry an enabler. He was smart <laughs> enough to do that. I, I can see. I can see. <laughs> wow. You got my, my brother's and I's favourite transformer growing up because we had it and then lost it. So it had this mythical sort of status with us. Was yeah. It was one of the triple changes called Blitzkrieg, I think. Uh, Blitzwing, yep. Blitzwing, yeah, yep. yeah. Went to like, a, like a, a beige sort of tank and then like a purple jet and back again. Yep, That's another it. one. Yep, yep. Uh, he was nice. awesome. <laughs> there you go. You've just uh, you've just made Frank's entire decade. I just don't need to ask any more questions. <laughs> just so you know, <laughs> I, I was just testing your your Um So I'm pretty impressed. Uh, you look a little bit like you're enjoying yourself there, Frank. How good? Oh, one day maybe we'll be lucky enough to do that again. I don't know. Oh. But look, massive thank you to uh, to Joe Brum and uh, all the people at Ludo Studios for giving us this wonderful show that we love to talk about. We had a wonderful time. I hope you listeners took something from that as well. Listening to the great man, and I'm not talking about Brendan. I'm talking about Joe oh, Brum oh, himself. Right, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so from all of us at Hammerbarn Project, thank you very much. And uh, for now, back to you, Jade. Thanks, Frank. Now back to Snickers with the traffic. Uh, yeah.